You're listening to The Chartographers Chartographers, it's that music-loving podcast for music-loving people where, you know, stuff happens. And hey, listen, uh, we had a very long and epic part one where we are started to rank the albums of the Flaming Lips. Do you like drugs? They're a band. So here's the thing. <laughs> we are getting down. They have 14 albums when you don't count their bonus ephemera and multiple Miley Cyrus collaborations. Collaborations with friends. Fwens. With Fwens. Uh, and as such, uh, going through 14 albums is a long, tall glass of water. So the last podcast, which was like about 70 minutes or so, was epic and long. And we got through ranking eight of their 14 albums on there, uh, 14 through six, which is great. Because that, that leaves down... Uh, that's nine. That's nine. That's what I meant to we say. We got through nine albums. God, really? Fuck, we're good. Yeah, we did a lot. And well, and then, but guess what? Here's the problem, though. We are now down to the top five. If you want to know uh, the other previous albums that we ranked, uh, we're not going to tell you on this podcast. We really want you to listen to the last episode. It was really informative, and that's why it's 70 minutes long. We crammed as much as we could. It could have been two hours easy but we had to cut it off and we are now down to the top five where we are going to rank those albums who is we it is me evan Saudi. it is taryn o'reilly it is special most frequent guest john harvey and we a family so uh guys listen <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, I am on fire right now. Uh, so guys, listen, the five albums that we have left, are you ready for this? This is where the shit gets real. We have 1995's Clouds Taste Metallic. We have 1999's The Soft Bulletin. We have 2002's Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robot. We have um, 2006's At War with the Mystics, that almost rhymed. And 20, 2009's Embryonic. Woo! Five, four, three, two, one. We got a spot. How you guys feeling? You good? You ready for this? You ready for the debate to end all debates of psychedelic rock nonsense? I, I'm I think so I'm ready. I I want to see what Taryn leads with. Oh, we have a nomination for who's gonna do the nomination. All right, so Taryn, <laughs> uh, we are down here to these five albums. Number five albums. Oh, I'm, I'm actually really curious too. What would you nominate? Okay, so these are all classic. And they all have one of my top five favorite Flaming Lips songs Absolutely. on them. Absolutely. So, so, this is very difficult, mm-hmm. but I think as far as just overall consistency is concerned, my nomination for number five is Cloud's Taste Metallic. Whoa. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not oh. see that coming. This is why, why I nominated, this is why I nominated, because I just, I did this feeling like we're, we're not on the same page right oh, now. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, All right. Oh, man. Again, wow. nice that nobody's saying it's bad. Just I'm su- I'm surprised because there's one that I think is a little bit more obvious to me, and, and I would say 2006's "At War with the Mystics." I'd be leaning towards embryonic, but let's talk well, about all of well, this. Well, okay, well guys. then. All right. So listen, we knew <laughs> that's why we had to break the last podcast because we knew we were going to have a discussion. Terrence started us off. Uh, before we get into it, Clouds Taste Metallic, right after the big hit album, where they had She Don't Use Jelly Top 40 Hits, they thought the rock store thing was happening, and they kind of went a little bit further. It's kind of a continuation of the transmission sound, but a little bit bolder, a little bit more into... A little bit poppier, and, and, here's oh, yeah. a, and here's a little bit of like a little, some history behind this album. So we in the last episode, we did Transmissions of the Satellite Heart. That's the first album featuring uh, Stephen Drozd on drums and performing other instruments, and lead guitarist Ronald Jones. Now, in 94, when they joined Warner Brothers, they would uh, they were trying to get on Warner Brothers because at the time, Jane's Addiction, 91, were just on fire. They released Richelo de Helbichuo. I can't even know how to pronounce it. I'll never learn how to pronounce it. And which was, which is like, it, it, people kind of forgot about it a bit now, but at the time, that thing was huge. People it thought was. Jane's Addiction were going to be like the next Led Zeppelin for a period of time. Yeah. So like, they come out, and so that was the thing what happens in 94 when you have grunge. It's like everybody, it's either you're kind of in like a Nirvana or a Jane's Addiction thing, and they kind of wanted to get on that same label. So they're now on Warner Brothers. They released Transmissions, which with the hit She Don't Use Jelly, got that album to 100,003 
103,000 copies sold of that. <laughs> That's how he, he did the research. It's definitely 103. We got the numbers in. And we so, fact checked it. It's so correct. they did that. So that kind of you gives a little boost. It's considered a it's it considered a minor hit. So yeah. they kind of followed that up. That's a pretty alternative 90s album. And they followed that up with Clouds Taste Metallic. So now they have Stephen Droz in there, who's just they're finally getting the hang of just writing songs and making good well-written songs songs, and the types of noise and guitar effects are going that are just peak psychedelic and the drums are just hitting hard as fuck every time and the guitars just melt your face starting off with the track one of my favorite tracks in the entire actually i'd say it's a top three of all flaming lips tracks Abandoned hospital ship. Wow. Okay. That's just. I like. I. I fully enjoy that song. I just. For me, that's a song where it's like that. When you want to talk about the songs that later become like the soft bulletin, that's like the kind of the okay, prototype where you start getting these real emotionally hitting ones. I, for me, just even though you'll find kind of somewhat vague lyrics or like kind of interchangeable lyrics on Wayne's part, there's just something about that opener with that piano when he's like, like, well, it took some time. Cause it's a lot. And then he does it. God, it's a bunch. And here's the thing, like I know that we've talked a lot of shit about Wayne's vocals. Yeah. And Taryn, if you can he, do, No, he improves. Can, he improves over time. He improves. And I know that there's stuff to critique. You could probably find something to critique about the technique of the singing. But let's say that oh at the very <laughs> Don't least... Don't even get me started. <laughs> the, while there is technique criticism, you I will say... You can't use the word technique to at, describe what's happening. At anyway. the very least... He knows how to sing his heart out. Yes. He knows really how to knows when, yeah. he, when he gets there, he just really knows how to sing it like it's the end of the world or like this is like the last moment in time. Yeah. And that's kind of like, you get that a lot on this album. There's a lot of great, great pop moments on here. Because I feel like we, while Transmissions of this, from the Satellite Heart is highs and lows, Klaus to me so tell like pretty much across the board. <laughs> Sorry. Clouds, clouds mace metallic. Clouds to mace metallic. Clouds taste metallic. Edit. Uh, I feel like across the board, it is just a, it all comes from the same space. It doesn't feel like kind of this disparate amount of songs that just kind of threw together on an album. It really feels like they came from the same creative space, and it feels like it's just fully embellished in terms of what it's trying to do. Because you have a wacky ass, dumb fucking song like Kim's Got a Watermelon Gun, uh, yeah. and yet at the same time, like, but I was like talk- yeah, the drums are just hard as fuck. The yeah. guitar riffs are just the gnarliest thing. One thing I love about Ronald Jones, and you want to, like, there's just things that, like, I've never heard anybody reproduce. Like, that opening guitar, like, so you've got the piano in an abandoned hospital ship, and then, like, you got the moment where they, where the drums kick in. It's the Do you have the grossest, most disgusting fuzz tone on the planet and it's just like blissful and you get these on track, you'll get these like on placebo head wound, just these crazy tones. But then also, but more importantly I'm, though, like Kim's Watermelon Good, there's even the little stupid line in there about how she's using it, you know, for justice and, you know, like stopping fascists and, you know, things like that. And it's just like, there's just this little hint of politicism to it, which is great. But then you have fucking evil will prevail ooh, on there. That and that is oh just, I know, a brutal like kind of heartbreaking but still beautiful at the same time kind of number and then of course the the piece de resistance bad day is just fucking next level yeah one of the i mean greatest that's ever absolutely ever which also made, made it which again one thing that only make up this ba- bad day i think it, bad days i think is like one of the songs that kept them alive after 96 because that ends up on the batman, batman forever, forever soundtrack, soundtrack. Yeah. you can and see jim, you can see jim carrey has a scene i think choreographed to the song well because he, well, he enters yeah. his home at that time and the song is playing in the background during that so it's very prominently featured in the movie itself guys let's watch batman forever right now <laughs> bat nipples so uh, what is but so why why would you what about it for you is like kind of compared five-ish. to the other ones? It's really just like overall memorability. I really really like Placebo Head Wound. Oh yeah, and yeah. obviously Bad Days. We've said that's one of the best songs they've ever written. And then I think I yes I agree. Abandoned Hospital Ship is da- absolutely one of the best things on here. And, but mean, then other than that, it just kind of. Are you so you're not into lightning strikes the postman? You're not into no. this year giraffe. Oh, this year oh giraffe god. Like... Oh, I, I'll contend. As much as I love this album and is higher <laughs> for me, God. <laughs> this oh, year giraffe. Laugh. Laugh. 
Like, Which even, like, by the way, even you can watch many videos of Stephen Droz. Even Droz is kind of like, oh god, a, a fucking song about a giraffe. Like you go watch the clouds st- when you yeah. talk when you watch the softball in documentary. Like yeah. when they talk about it, he's like, you know, and then it's, to a degree, I was also just excited. I was in another song about a fucking giraffe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah. then you have Christmas at the Zoo, the song that John Tash briefly wanted to record for one of his albums. Too. I just like yeah. I I think I feel like the way I I interviewed Wayne Coyne for the thirty or the twentieth anniversary for this right. album and I think I kind of described this in my opening what I like about this compared to you know the one all the albums that come prior to it is that the lips do have these moments beforehand where they do kind of get to that universe uh, universality that comes with all the songs that come during and after this but like uh, I feel like beforehand like like if you have a song like slow nerve action like you kind of get it's a song about growing up but it's behind kind of cutesy imagery and uh-huh. invisible mm-hmm. dogs and like when you get songs like placebo headwound like I love like when they finally bring it forward and like oh just like if God hears all my questions how come there's never an answer and it's just like oh we're not gonna use these metaphors we're just gonna get to it now mm-hmm. and the songwriting is when it's on is just so strong but I'm not sure if you guys remember this play the tape back. John Harvey, he says all this, but he also just nominated At War with the Mystics at number five. Let's talk about At War with the Mystics. So, um, the thing, At War with the Mystics, again, I really like the album. There's, again, you, one thing you'll find about all this, we agree, I think everybody generally has a fate, one of their top ten favorite fl- Flaming Lip songs will probably be on one of these albums. Mm-hmm. Right, you mix it, you'll find one, at least one from yeah. all these. I just think that where I feel about how you feel about with Cloud Stays, I think it's just kind of inconsistent. I think some of the track, I think there's weaker, more tracks for me that I just straight up will never listen to ever again. Okay, but here's the, here's the thing about this, though. The Soft Bulletin, many would argue, is still their big artistic breakthrough and commercial breakthrough on many different fronts. It was ba- it was kind of like this warped, acid-drenched Disney musical almost, but still was based in classic songwriting and this uh, idea that let's try to do an album with as few guitars as Are possible. Are you about to nominate Soft Bulletin? Okay. No, he's, I'm, he's I'm setting prefacing. up. Yeah, exactly. Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots basically it kind of was the was the pop moment, the one that basically had a little bit of narrative as to what they did, and also launched them even further into the stratosphere. Grammy wins, they became the band. Like a lot of people when they think about the flaming lips, they think about the blood soaked ball over the audience kind of phase that was Yoshimi, and that was a long ass period. So when out and I was like, this around the time South Bulletin saw Yoshimi, this is when I became a fan around this time period as well. I was there for the release of Yoshimi. Yoshimi, like opening week, and so then as such, four four fucking years pass before we get at war with the Mystics, and I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna be it. And how disappointed was I that this is just after they had seemed to ascend to so many different narrative heights. Here they were; there was just a collection of kind of pop songs with a little bit of a kind of political intent because it's 2006. We all know how we felt about Bush at the time. But at the same time, I always was a little bit salty towards this album because it was so not what the previous yeah, ones were. But but but, 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 but I would say the thing about this, though, <laughs> is that this week, listening to it again, I was able to really appreciate it <clears throat> on its own merits, which is basically a collection of pop songs of kind of like varying genres and styles. And real quick, this is a common theme. I, I, if you ask most people, if you read online, like most people will say that, will share the same experience that you had beforehand. It's actually kind of maligned in that regard. To me, I think that War with the Mystic kind of has that... Uh, Prince's Batman reputation, where it's like, it's kind of taken like so many, there's been so many jokes, it's been like the punching bag for so long that like people kind of like, I think people develop this idea that it's worse than it actually is. And right, it has no, 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 and I, and I would agree, I subscribe <clears throat> to that. This, this album is like peak overproduced 2006 psychedelia. Let's, let me see. It is, it is like, it just, like the guitar tones that they pick are just like exactly what you want and then this is the sound that like Tame Impala took to success. Let me say to you, this album is later. this album is a casualty of the noise war. My god, how many purple hearts does this thing have? This is the most <laughs> this thing is the most oh, one of the most overly compressed, overly mastered albums I've ever listened to. One thing okay. you'll talk about I'll probably bring up again is that I'm obsessed with how well recorded all of Steven Drow's drums are. The thing is, these things are so compressed. What's fucked up for me is this album won a Grammy for Best Engineered Album. You can't even tell how it's engineered because it's so compressed. It's a brick wall. The whole thing's a brick wall. You couldn't tell, like, oh, how they record it because everything's bleeding into each other. It's true. Yeah. No, I will I will give you that, that there's there's a lot of sound bleed on this. It's The, the parts aren't super yeah. distinct, but, but I, on its own... 
like songwriting wise and just like melodically the wand like is fighting for what no no it's a good it's a good fucking song the wand is like fighting for my favorite flaming lips song it just like when it goes into that like that's a that's a classic and also that weird synth that like that weird thing that like the weird wave thing that's going on and and that filter that's on the vocals in the chorus you've Mm. got the and they they use that filter a couple times on this album and it's just oh it's just brilliant like the the wand is like exactly what you want from this sound real quick before we continue talking about this song the the context of the of like the of uh, at war with the mystics it was kind of sold as this political piece or like fight the power thing and it and it doesn't really come through like that in most regards right i'm sure that's part of why people don't like it is because that's not here. Well, it's, on the, the yeah, 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 song. Yeah. it's on the Yeah 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 song. That song is about the one specifically about like Donald yeah. Trump. You no, know, no, no. That's six a, the free years ahead of time. And, yeah. and the wand is also supposed to be kind of about that. Like, oh, what would yeah, what would you do I with mean, this wand? Yeah. Sure, yeah. right. But, but the that's wand, not the, what the rest. Of I will the say album the wand about. is the the wand and kind of yeah 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 song are the only two that I think kind of nail the political aspect. But of they're it. also right. the poppiest things on here too. It's a political album in the same way that like Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation is a political album. Which like broad. There is a political song, but all even the political messages are pretty broad. Broad, and it's still, and then it just goes full pop. And, and that, that's the other thing, though, about this, though, is the fact that, like, the biggest thing for me as that fan that was part of that thing that found this a disappointment too was just so many different pop culture references that were in the lyrics that felt unnecessary. See, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of the song "Sound of Failure." I think it's like kind yes. of, like, I think it's like a cool. Yes. Like, it's the only time, like, you know, they've got some obvious flaming lip yeah. influence, but it's kind of cool seeing them do ABBA. Yeah. Like, and, you, wait, <laughs> wait, you think "Sound of Failure" is ABBA? Like the way that hook, like the way that the chorus See, comes. See, "Sound of Failure" to me is like America, like "Don't Tell Britney." This is true. Bang, bang, yeah. bang. Like, See, there's that, and then you also have on "Free Radicals." You're uh, kind of like a poor man's but, but so I would, it would kind of like, suck to on, learn dude. that I think that the Britney and Gwen thing is about Britney Spears and Gwen Stefani. I'm like, yes, no. that's what kind of sucks. Point. That's yeah. what kind of sucks about. Like I'm like, that's like it's a cool line. If like until you learn like, oh no, like yeah. And that's what I'm like, like way yeah. more yeah. above this. That's the thing that was I, but like, it doesn't take away yeah. my enjoyment. I still love that song. Yeah. Yeah. I still fucking And I remember hearing kind of the previous songs because I was for whatever reason, yeah, yeah, yeah song. I know it's the yeah 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 song. Speaking of that was actually my introduction to the Flaming Lips. Lips. Oh. Was the yeah 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 song back in 06. I, I was actually kinda dreading, like not dreading, but like I was kinda like when I was, when we when we get a sign like, hey, this is research week, you know, I put all these other ones ahead and I kinda put like at war with the mystics off at the, the side at first because I'm like, I'm looking at the track list you're like yeah 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 song and I'm like I don't really need to do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah song <laughs> right. but like I don't know this time around I, I was kind of digging it way more than I typically it, have it's, well it's, produced produced it's a well it's, it's got a good gro- it is the same chord structure it's, as that it's, gr- it's really groovy that's a song though but here's the thing you talk about inconsistent I, do you need it overtakes me Speak, okay but also briefly I honestly one of my least favorite of the post 2000s yeah okay that's fair I, but the thing about it overtakes me is that, like, yes, that main melody, that hook, like, it overtakes me, rep- repeating. It's, yeah. like, a little obnoxious. It's a little too easy yeah. for them. But it's, like, it kind of feels like low-hanging fruit. But then they use that same vocal filter again on here. Like, you know it isn't real. <laughs> and that that little musical phrase is what has gotten stuck in my head the most yeah. over these last two Intr- weeks. Oh, what? Okay, uh, briefly, okay. Though, like, okay. we'll, it we'll just, talk like, about... It just, like, it immediately re- stood out. The other two, just real quick, to get them out there, the ones I think are weak. The, uh, Free Radicals is one where, like, I like when the hook kicks in. It doesn't do anything for the rest of the song. I don't think there's really much to it. No, so I remember when I haven't got a on. clue. Can you tell... I can't don't know what the fuck that yeah, is. I, I yeah, I can't tell you what that uh, sounds Yeah, but like. the other thing, though, is that I remember, like, hearing the previous songs and, like, yeah, 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 song was fine. It wasn't, like, the kind of revelation some of the other stuff was. Mr. Ambulance Driver was oh a previous single, God. and that was the one where I'm like, okay, it's okay. Flaming Lips are still here. They're still doing great stuff. What's yeah. nice about that is that I think that one of the other issues why I have it down here, and I think we can probably make the same criticisms about Embryonic, which we'll probably discuss in a few seconds, is that... Like how kind of hard in between the like those you I feel like some degree you come to the top flaming lips songs for those mo those things like those emotional connections when you're like oh man it's like kind of hitting you 
in your soul. And I think um, Ambulance Driver is kind of one that does that, where it's like an actual like, emotional heft. Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, I am just so against sirens in music, <laughs> especially like unprocessed sirens where it's just a full. Thing. I just, uh, it's just so unnecessary. I mean, but I think part of that too is yeah. like living in a city. I hear them all the time. It just like that's just very unpleasant. Yeah, and then you also have the Wizard Turns On. You have which won a grant? Which won a Grammy yeah, for best instrumental? Yeah. Then you have Pompeii and, and Eli. But Eli also, how Pam got to Damarung is like. Pretty good, dude. That song like, is fucking bad. Like, I'm sorry, that is like it's not my favorite on here because there's so many great pop songs on here. But that, I mean, like, I don't know. Well, I'll go back to that for sure. I, that's one of my favorites on here. Okay. I don't know, man, especially. Um, and I also, I really love my Cosmic Autumn Rebellion. That's a really good. And, and that's become a fan it, favorite, like across the universe. And when, yeah. uh, and you just think, there's also I was talking about the over compression on that. I think sometimes it's cool, like my Cosmic, uh, when it gets to like that synthesizer solo. Like I yeah. think the over compression is actually kind of. Really a fucking texture, cool. Right. Okay. When you do um, uh, Sound of Failure, the guitars works, but then when you get to like fucking, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really compressed, guys. Yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. good, good point. Uh, but that being said, uh, also I want to briefly talk about my favorite thing that happened this week was uh, when Taryn was reciting uh, "It Overtakes Me" to me, and he said, "It overtakes me. It master shakes me." <laughs> <laughs> it's just I thought about Master Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and it just made me very happy. Yeah. So yeah, I just couldn't remember what the next word was. So it's it, cool. But it you happened. wanted to. But you voted for embryonic. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I Okay, now Evan, tell us what you're not feeling about embryonic. Let's talk about embryonic, though, before we get into that. Sure. Uh, Because I feel like this was one of the things where the band certainly wasn't immune to the fact that there were some people where after Soft Bolt and Yoshimi, when you release albums that iconic to have At War with the Mystics, you know, like, they still won Grammys, they say it was still a success. I think that they weren't even immune to the fact that, like, okay, some people really aren't digging this, like, more than usual. Like, they was, like, up, up, and then kind of, they kind of maybe plateaued, and some people went down. So as such they i felt like they were of the mind that like maybe we need to do a course correction maybe we need to try something completely different and completely different is exactly what they have and again just talk about basically strip it down to its element okay we want to talk about compression on this album but i all means talk about compression this kind of blown out sound that hits every instrument it's not the board. Good, it yeah. it's not that's well that's actual compression that's not like the same fucked up that's that doesn't have the same issues that like, fuck it's not like clipping yeah this is like all the level i think there's like there's still dynamics in the drums my I fucking there's so many interesting drum parts going on the song this, well there's so That's, I mean this and, album is just interesting across the board so to describe it I, I kind of describe it as like so you have these kind of, they kind of go from a little bit of a poppier phase a more orchestral and the kind of conducted kind of thing from Zyrica through Orthomystics and then it's like let's change the formula it's go as psychedelic as we can be and they do this can sort of Miles Davis live evil kind of infused thing where it's just it's a full dip into the psychedelia and it's about crazy time signatures and what I like about it for me it's like an exploration of textures well and it's also uh they mentioned this in the in the promo vid that they did they released for it uh they have like a 20 minute documentary basically and um I did want to just mention yeah you you said there was a lot of really interesting drumming on here and I you see that in that promo clip because since I want to say right after Soft Bulletin, they added a, a second Cliff, drummer. Cliff Sherlock, yeah. And that's right, like, right timing. Good, yeah. yeah. And so I feel like you see Cliff and Drozd pushing each other as proficient musicians that I don't think that Drozd necessarily gets from the other yeah. members. And I, I think that that really... That's part of what took Embryonic to this very interesting experimental place is because they mm-hmm. were able to like just go and then obviously Wayne's also yeah. pushing the in this very different direction. And I like that deconstruction of like it's totally don't write the way that they used to. Like they said beforehand they'd maybe come in with an idea or work one out to create more melodies. Or and like, this is like, like they'd write the lyrics. Yeah. It's and a then... it's a very groove based album. Yeah. Oh, and the it's other into, thing yeah. That they explained in that promo vid was that on a lot of these songs, it's one chord. They don't have chord changes, and so part of why the songs are so texturally interesting is that the bass is a single chord, which means that they can play basically anything on it, and it'll still sound right. Right. So you can take it into all sort of 
weird, jazzy, dissonant places and it still is coherent, which you really hear on like Convinced of the Hex or on Silver Trembling Hands. And what's crazy is I feel like, the, the, like being a groove-based album, I feel like a lot of these songs kind of work on the, function in the same way that a can song or even like a D'Angelo's voodoo would work, where it's like the certain repetition, it's about the layering and what comes in and out. Right. Oh, it's just so based off this groove going on there, and I love how much effort is put in to come up with the most unique guitar and keyboard textures and drum textures. There's a lot of focus on just the production, even if it's not like high quality. It's yeah. about trying to get these type of guitar sounds that I've never heard anybody make. Right. Well, I've heard people make this kind of sound before, let's be real though, but it's just interesting for the Flaming Lips though, at the very least, to try and do this thing. Because they're very much recreating, again, these classic kind of blown out, like, experimental, to put it lightly, uh, jazz and rock different masterpieces from various times. But they're reinterpreting it, of course, in their own way. Again, it started out as an experiment that they just kept going on. And much like, I would say, Cause Taste Metallic, these songs all very clearly come from the same architect this the same space the same like area right. that it lives in but and therefore it, the thing about embryonic is that it lives and it dies by its strength and its weakness which is its sprawling nature it's all over the fucking place which is great you see so many different moods and styles and the times when you get that fucking song that connects it's amazing and at the same time you then because it's a double disc album because it's all over the place you run into some real shit here too because listen we could talk about how great an album is that also means we have to listen to I Can Be a Frog for a while, too, and hear Karen O of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs literally phone in her performance on this one here, too. She called in and did her vocals over the phone. That and is they exactly pop- what There's also did. weird things like that where instead of, like, using the... It's like, they, they recorded the demo with a Zoom, or, like, a Zoom as Z4, H4 recorder, like, mm-hmm. the little handheld things, and they're like... Yeah, we'll just throw that on the studio version. Right, and there's like these weird like two-minute songs like If and fucking Scorpio Sore. Then like, why are we doing this? Why are you putting this on here? How many times in this album does he sing a lyric about people being evil? Like, I think think you literally hear some form of that sentence, like, on six or seven of these 18 tracks. Like, it's a lot. My my one criticism, I'll give it, even though... One. We all can find. We can find some (laughs) For you. No, but they, um... It's like, so, while I do, for me, like, I like the majority of these songs, it's definitely still a good... About four to six things I could get rid of. Right, like... If this was just a normal length single album, I think it would be, be way better. Yeah, I, which we've said about literally every double. Oh yeah. Album. So my actual criticism is like, even though I love these songs, I will concede that they are kind of following the certain formula where it's like maybe certain tension based introduction, maybe stripped down to full or just straight to full on aggressive, just jazz psychedelic. Yeah. And then they all kind a lot of them do then just go here's the free cut section, then quiet while beautiful, interesting sad ballad section that plays it out. So you kind of like, I love War Mountain. I think War Mountain kicks ass. It kind of ends the same way as fucking Ego's Last Stand. But see, at the, here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. That being said, though, you have a song, and again, the one that got us, got you into this whole fucking thing in the first place, Silver Trembling Hands is yeah. an album that does that whole transition thing perfectly. Silver Trembling Hands, they even admit, is one of the more written songs there, and it shows, but right. dude, those chords are also like kind because of Because it starts out with that little voice, that ah, and then it has a boom, 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 like this driving force, and then all of a sudden, out of right. nowhere. I mean, but that voice is so processed, it right. almost doesn't sound like a voice anymore. It just, yeah. it's, it it's sounds like a, like a guitar Which is, by the way, they do, the, that's also the same effect on um, Pompeii. Like, actually, yeah. one, of the, one of the things, like, and I saw them do it live, and I didn't know that's how they did it, when they do, like, a Stephen Droz just had a special microphone, and he just goes, ah! And just like, it just like over compresses and it just makes this enveloping thing. I'm like, he screams that? That's insane. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Well, see, and again, so yeah. like you run into these amazing moments. And of course, con- convinced of the hex, which convinced, is just, oh, you know. I mean, she that, submits as she that does. That, that one took a second to grow on me. Actually, this whole album is definitely a grower. It, it, if you you have to listen to it a couple times, but once you do, it yeah. just has a wealth. If you would have asked, I think, all of us before, although I think maybe 
have instilled not as much, but like if you would have asked all of us before, like the last week, like where would it have been? Like I think it would have ended up on the last episode, right? And the other ones, and then like I, I even the first time I did it because I made the mistake of listening to my car, not a fun <laughs> cruising album. Yeah. But then like at night before kind of going to bed, you sit down and like when you're not distracted, it's not a passive listening no, experience. It's not, it's not right. something that this you is c- this is an album that you put on because you want to hear it. Like you, it's yeah. not a fun. Re- you're not gonna have a good time if you're driving or if you are doing homework or just doing work at the office, it's going to distract you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, As I learned when I listened to it at the office. Always. But yeah, you were saying Civil Chairman has that chord, those chord, guitar chords right before the end of the chorus are just like, it's, it's, and yeah. it working with the kids synth at the same time, like it's transcendently good. But like yeah. I would have never thought they would have made that kind of song given the trajectory also, they were just, on. It's Ugh. the tones that they pick on the mm-hmm. Silver Trembling Hands that when the chorus drops out and yeah. the guitar chords are, are sort of like mm-hmm. swelling almost. Like mm-hmm. they have sort yeah. of a they like fade in and then back out again a little bit. Yeah. I don't know, it's and then what I think fans really then like uh, some critics and other fans are calling it a return to form, even though it sounds absolutely, yeah, absolutely nothing. nothing like but it. I think where that comes from is just that it is the most. It is Prime. even though it's nothing like Clouds Taste Metallic. It was the closest thing to Clouds Taste Metallic in a, over a decade. All right. So guys, listen here. We have been talking about this for a half hour now, and basically we're down to five, four, three. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, fellas. I think, can we agree that these three albums are our 543, our Clouds Taste Metallic, are At War with the Mystics, and are Embryonic? Um, uh, yeah, for the sake of consensus, yes. Because there are, there are two other albums that are not part of that list for 543. I don't know. I kind of like Clouds. I, I personally put Clouds Taste above both Embryonic and At War with the Mystics. Right, yeah, that's what we're establishing. Oh, they, they, uh, yeah, these yeah. three albums oh, yeah. are going I to just, be Oh, yeah, I guess I, I probably... I, okay, I'll be... Yeah, I have it at my number two. I don't expect anybody else to get on there, to get up there. Yeah, these are these are the... Okay, yeah. I know, exactly. Because, listen, we fought, we fought a long way to get up here. The question is, how are we going to do five, four, three? Taryn, what would you put as your five, four, three? My five, four, three would be... Number five, Clouds Taste Metallic. Number four, Embryonic. Number three, At War with the Mystics. John Harvey. At War with the Mystics at five, Embryonic four, and Clouds Taste at three. I would, I'd, I'm almost there, but I think I would do Embryonic five, At War four, Clouds Taste three. <laughs> so we're at it. We're at so a I think again. it's more... I think, well, Clouds Taste three is winning. So they um I think it's just well now it's between what's five embryonic or at war with the mystics at war with the mystics for me has a lot more of the classic moments I feel like people that have come to define the flaming lips and personality wise like it does have those emotional moments they are really beautiful songs when they're on there I just like for embryonic why it goes above for me is kind of the same reasons why we got transmissions above some of the other above the other ones where it's like even if it isn't as consistent I just think the songs that are really good, and I just think there's a lot of them on Embryonic. I just think that there's just more of those, and a surprisingly frequent amount, even if the narrative isn't as complete. Yeah, Darren's thinking about this all. I think in terms of compromising uh, the best that we can, I would say let's go ahead, do, uh, and this is, I think it might surprise all of us, so let's do uh, At War at number five. <sighs> Num- and let's go ahead, do... Clouds at four and embryonic at three. It's kind of wild. I would not. I would. <laughs> I just thought that that's really. Fu- <sighs> I think, but I mean, I feel like me and Taryn kind of agree that it still feels weird. Throw it. I I love at war with the mystics. I really do. It's just it's the exact right kind of production that mm-hmm. I go back to. I honestly, for me, it has more songs that I put on repeat than like soft bulletin, but. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a better album than that. I just and that's a fair I, and that's fair. That's I fair. Don't, yeah, it's, it's your favorite. I've, I feel like we feel pretty much the same way about our respective choices yeah. between like Clouds Taste and that. Yeah. And I think it just kind of depends on how 
just how every year interpreting it. For all you know, that this could change for everybody tomorrow. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just might not have to be assholes and outvote yeah. each other in some of those cases here. I right. just, I just feel like the the you get moments closer to the emotional heft of Soft Bolton inside of Cloud's taste than you're getting in that. And I, th- I like the place it comes from. I like the psychedelia of it is a little bit more natural. <laughs> Darren's still feeling it out. What if we do, like... But you're not the only one. By the way, I talked to my drummer, Dave. Dave also has at War of the Mystics that it's number two. Yeah. Mm, nice. So yeah. It's, it's, there's it's other people. Like a cool I, guy. What if they should people, hang out yeah. with us. What if we did Embryonic at five, okay at War that. with the Mystics at four, Klaus takes Metallic at three? I'd be okay with that. I'd actually be okay What's with that. What's so Embryonic at five, five <laughs> at War with the Mystics Listeners, at four. So, sorry, I've been drinking so much rum and coke in between these sets. I agree. That's a good. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a good compromise. All right, yeah. I like it. Okay, guys. So listen, of the episode that we've been doing so far, that is exactly as you heard it. And I actually, I, I think that's actually pretty cool. Honestly, it genuinely. took us a long time to get there. I know. Embryonic at number five. At War with the Mystics at number four. Cloud Stays Metallic at number three. There are two spots left. Number one and number two. I'm not even asking for rankings. I just want to talk about them. Guys, the Soft Bulletin. Now, this is an album that re-changed a lot of things that was going on with the band, including the challenge they gave themselves to be like, hey, you know what? Let's let's try and drop guitars as much as we possibly can. Well, they at this point, so they did lose, uh, they did lose Ronald Jones, mm-hmm. and now they're working at a three piece. And now this is, I feel like I also should have brought this up at the very beginning of episode one. The Flaming Lips are a band that have just barely existed for a very long time. You know, between <laughs> right. from just between they're going from a punk rock band to getting onto a major label with both albums not doing as well as the labels would like to. We were, even though we had a lot of praise for Cloud's Taste Metallic, that album did not do well, selling only thirty six thousand copies, which which thirty thirty six thousand and three actually thirty six thousand and three copies exactly. But the other thing they, though is about this though is that a lot of critics pointed out because in between these things they did of course the project that is Zarika and some people said like for the widescreen ambitions they had for Zarika across four different discs and four different stereos they really tried to refine that down to a simple single disc to a single yeah. mix that they tried to do here yeah. and basically let's just get it out of the way. This is the album where they went full-blown pop. And basically. also, this album is like... It's them trying to stay on the label. This is like their last I shot. I mean, I'm not even, I'm not even thinking about stuff a, like I that. I feel like because... that's an important context of the thing, of just in terms of just surviving through it. Part of like that whole thing, like if this is like if this is our last time getting an album, like let's fucking make it count. Mm-hmm. Let's do everything we can. Let's like let's just make the thing that we want to make. Who gives a who cares what anybody thinks about there that? We and we don't have a guitar player, so let's not have any guitars. We don't need guitars anymore. We've got a musical genius that can do anything. Right. Well, and I definitely think that the saying that they're not going to use guitars obviously pushes them in a pop direction because right. what is the instrument of rock music? It is the guitar. Mm-hmm. So when you drop that, then what you're left with is synths and bass and drums, which is what pops is made of at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I think the direction of this makes sense. I think it's also worth saying that they made this on the same budget and in the same sessions as Zarika. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of, yeah, yeah. you can kind of, you can tell that there's that influence there that they even yeah, every, to the two. And everybody agrees that like, oh yeah, they're they're pretty much their de- their whole life is just intertwined, and that's kind of what's cool about Zyrika is that. I'm kind of glad it's there, because it's kind of like, oh, well, what can we do? And Zyrika's kind of a practice session figuring out what works and what doesn't mm-hmm. work with this whole thing, that by the time they do come around to the soft bolts, and it's like, oh, yeah, we do know what's like, what about this Stephen Droz and these talents that we have makes the train roll. Right. Yeah. But the thing is that, like, they, I mean, the other thing, though, is that it, the, when you talk about this album, you're talking about orchestration, plain and simple. When some people still have referred to this as kind of like kind of an acid demented Disney musical, and it's not really a musical per se, but there is just such lightness and airiness and color to this album, too. This is one where basically they, it's this, at times it sounds kind of like, Almost hokey at times to a degree. You have a fucking <laughs> song called Buggin', you know? Yeah, and like especially when you get to the remixes, like obviously it's it's still very pop because it's a remix. It's it's a pop radio remix of mm-hmm. these tracks. But you also Wayne is like especially bringing out the drawl on this record. <laughs> and then when you get like on the remix for Waiting for Superman, they take off that vocal filter 
they add a little reverb and a little space on the piano and the guitars, and it really almost sounds like a pop country radio hit. And right. and there's a bit of that and, on here. And I that's one thing I love about it. the country influence, which you kind of is overlooked at first because it's such a surreal experience that I feel yeah. like your your mind gets drawn to the orchestration. But man, the country type of guitars that go on here, there's so there's many country so much guitar on this that, that are just gorgeous yeah. and tasteful. That's the thing about yeah. it. All the decisions, like you could totally overload. You could be sensory overload, and it's so well arranged that you never get there. And that's part of the brilliant part is that they like they stayed away from guitars in, except for a few very specific moments like on Waiting for Superman when you have that slide guitar and then on like feeling yourself disintegrate there's this just mm-hmm. like very simple acoustic strum that fits with the sort of like faux martial drumming that's happening mm-hmm. and it I don't know they, they hit so many fascinating textures on this record and it's just so it's their most consistent piece of and work. And then don't you learn about the pro- then you learn about the production and like how they get the strings to sound good. Because like people do synth strings, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't always sound great. But so you learn that they did like fucking eighties ash. They yeah. did these cool things where they just were because it's in MIDI that they just detuned all the MIDI keyboards, so all the That's layers. So brilliant. So all the layers. So no, it's, it sounds like a more orchestra. It sounds like a real orchestra by yeah. not having right, everything because perfect. it's not perfectly on pitch. Right, yeah. right. which is exactly no, what an orchestra no is. No forty-piece yeah. orchestra is going to be perfectly tuned right. together. Yeah. So here's here's my here's my confession, though, guys. Are you ready? Are you ready for a confession? Are you ready for this? Uh, I, this is the first Flaming Lips album I ever got. That's not the confession part, but the first thing is that when I heard this album all the way the first through the first time, I'm like. This is what everyone's talking about. There was something that didn't connect with me on my first and listen. I was this. with you that really? not even okay. just not even just the first. I mentioned that the first time was like like I race for the prize was still immediately a big thing for me. And there's songs on here that I immediately were like, whoa, what the fuck is this? But it's, mind you, it's kind of it's understandably hard if you're not into the whole band to go from a song as a as just forward as race for the prize into and though they were sad. It's like it's kind of like okay, um, I, I don't know what this thing is going. <laughs> I will I will say so. Spoonful weighs a ton is sort of hard, mostly because his vocals are just like uh, I really okay. like it now. But, but I love it now. I love yeah. <laughs> I love that when it speeds up mm-hmm. after you know the the right that like that is the first time you really hear that like obviously they'd done psychedelia before then but that's that first time you hear that like modern sheen Mm -hmm. on their music you know and i think that's like that's like my issue with it and honestly to this day where it's like race for the prize never struck me in the way that say waiting for superman did yeah but also that's weird because i'm yeah i'm the opposite yeah again great song it's just i i think it's only in certain times in my life that waiting for superman has been like oh Fuck. Yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, but like, yeah. <laughs> Spoonful of Tongue and even The Spark That Bled, the softest bullet ever shot. Like, those three songs, I'm just like, it doesn't really get to me. But the time you get to the goofiness, which is, and as you learn, it, yeah. the more you dig into the lips, the actual true, like, reality behind the Spider Bite song, and then everything that comes afterwards. And that was my revelation during uh, a research week this week. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, all their best songs are here, right? Yeah. Like, it's just kind of this, also, like... Also, like, I love Buggin'. <laughs> I love Right. No, because it's a total like it's like uh, what I was gonna bring this up is that like what, I think what sells some of this <laughs> is like the is like the Brian Wilson as yeah, no, no, no. but the That's Beach right, Boys right, quality yeah, yeah. and that is such a Beach Boys melody like the, yeah. the girls love bugs yes <laughs> and then all of those yeah all of those harmonies come in yeah but also dude just the, then when the drums kick in and one of my favorite in. things yeah and also, like, the, yeah, yeah, at yeah. times, because especially, like, on the Spoonful Waste of Tongue, when it gets into that, uh, when it gets to the guitar part, sometimes those rock guitars could sound, like, recorded in another room, almost. Like, mm-hmm. even though it's still rock drums all the way through, but they record it in so many different ways for this album, But then, too. like, yeah. that's funny that, like, uh, Spark That Blood wasn't a big one, because the ones that stuck for me, like, even when I wasn't crazy on the album, were, sp- were the opener is Spark That Blood, and suddenly everything has changed. Yeah. Holy shit. That song... So that song's a little weird for me because I my favorite album of all time is The Postal Service Give yeah. Up and they do a cover of that mm-hmm. um, of Suddenly Everything Has oh, Changed. Shit. It's yeah. not on the record but it's on their B-sides and it's on like their deluxe edition whatever. Um, and so that's how I knew that song originally yeah. except it's very like 
exactly how the Postal Service would cover this song. It's, there are no tempo changes. Mm -hmm. They, like, rewrite that, like, slow, and they sing it with, like, ahs. And it's it's utterly different. And so when I first was listening to this album version, and there's all these tempo changes and full stylistic breaks within this one track, I mean, it's, it's just brilliant. Like, they shouldn't be able to pull that song off and yet somehow they do perfectly. and then honestly for me it's that drum this is such a simple just beat but the way that what is the light is connected to this space rock instrumental the observer is just like and fluid so and also feeling yourself disintegrate one of the one of the okay so my th- top 10 for no me, so for my sure. three favorite songs are race for the prize abandoned hospital ship and feeling yourself oh, disintegrate. Shit. Yeah. like are my three that's one that's just like the production behind it's brilliant i've heard it live and it's still really good but there's just elements about it one thing i want to mention about that album that cinematic feel I, I can't tell you exactly what this device is but after when it came towards like either mastering or the ending of the mixing it's run through like a type of uh old school film related processes. I think Wait, how what they, is run through? Yeah, I think it's like what they used to put it on to merge it on to track or merge audio with the with the like the tape audio with the visual audio. So it gets this old school like 1930s or 40s type of like compression. The way it kind of on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's totally certain things that it, the way it about. kind of brings it all together and kind of you makes it it really brings together the whole feel of the album. Mm-hmm. So a couple one things I will kind of get criticized about the album though a little bit though. I doesn't it kind of feel like it has two endings? Once you do the observe like what is the light and observer, which I feel like on every other album would probably be the closer of the album, but then you kind of carry in I a mean, few more songs. Is it what is the light is track 6. So like if this was an LP, that would be the end of side one. That is true. Oh, I, I guess that is true. That. Yeah. No, I just, yeah, for me, it does kind of feel like it, 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 that actually is a way better way of looking at it than I'd always looked at. <laughs> but for me, it kind of like when you listen to it as a whole, it kind of feels like it ends twice by the time you get back to yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's it's totally, I, I had not thought of that before this point, but this is totally, they have this split into a side A, side B, and they kind of end similarly. And that's also why they split the remixes and the original versions between those two to sort of... I mean, obviously you want them as far apart as possible, but... But then there's Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. And let me tell you something, guys. That is an album experience, let me tell you. Because here's the thing. The narrative of this album, there's a bit of a narrative that basically gets abandoned partway through. Let's be real there. You're like, you're like, it's like you know, there's this Which girl, is why the second she half works at the favorite. city. I know. Yes, the, it is really a yeah, second half. But here's the thing. Even just the light, this light sprinkling of narrative on the top of this album about this girl that's fighting evil robots and some of them have emotions, kind of, sort of, maybe. Like, it's just kind of like that weird little bit of heft kind of gives that album and arc and a narrative because by the time you get to all we have is now this rather emotional penultimate closer there it's kind of like this payoff because you have these building and rising actions for the emotions because listen this album as much as we have that cat stevens ripoff that is fight test and it is a cat stevens ripoff that they later wound up well, paying a lot real, of money to it's cat not stevens even like for. just the melody there are like two separate lines that are literally like i'm pretty sure there's two like at least sentences ripped exactly from the original oh, song. Yeah. Right, Father and Son. Yeah, exactly. But it's still a great opener. But then when you get to, like, then all of a sudden you get to One More Robot, Sympathy, you know, 3021, about this robot that's suddenly starting to learn about human emotions. Kind of this little down-tempo, like, you know, melodic thing. It's kind of great. And the big key about this album, too, textually, aside from the fact that guitars are back, drumming-wise, this is... I, I'm not even sure if they use drum machines, but they do a little it, bit more, like, kind of rattly drum and bass thing a little bit more kind of boom boom back here's boom, where boom, like that kind of where the not so obvious prince influence kind of comes <laughs> with these between soft bolts yeah. and yoshimi mm-hmm. is that there is a lot of combination you you can miss it on the soft one there's a lot of combo drum machine and uh live drumming going on for a lot of these tracks mm-hmm. like especially in the well, what's interesting about what i realized because when, when listening to this album uh like most recently was that, uh, you know, you kind of want to assume it as a minimalist thing, but, like, minimalism isn't really, like, the right way to describe it because there's so many very light textures that are very unassuming that it's... Right, it's still fully composed, but it is not produced. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, over-processed. There's not a ton of filters in this record. It's, It's produced... The production is appropriate for what they're trying to go for. Right, but it's not, it's not, like, 
they didn't put like a polished like expensive sheen over it like it's still very it's still a little well, raw like, i think and yeah and i and i think like the the co- the compositions also try to do a lot to stay out of the way of whatever's driving the song so if it's, it's right. being vocally driven like they do a lot to really That's, get out of the way yes it's ornamentation as opposed to like when you get to at war right. with the mystics all of that shit is right in the forefront right because but then again yeah. you also have like when you have do you realize this big you know fucking epic song one of the most like one of if not the most iconic song in I mean it's certainly their most utilized in pop culture right but when when those guitars come in the jangle on those acoustic guitars they just ring out of both sides like left and right channels like just exactly this ding 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 you know like and like you get the bells alternating panels on there it's so exactly and there's a key change in there like it's got everything but then I mean the thing is we talk about these moments you talk about kind of the warp guitar effect of Yoshimi Bells with Pink Robots part one also can we can we point out that they had the they had the full like dubstep wub <laughs> in Yoshimi Part One in two thousand two that like and you know that, what? like that that is the whole like bro step sound. I want to say that also before coming in here again just yesterday, I was like you know like because the second half really I feel like is what completes the album. Yes. Like I was like I'm not crazy about that first half, but then you know I'm in the shower and I'm like. It just gets back to you. It is it is a catchy melody, and so in that sense it makes sense that it was the single, except that ego tripping on the, the, the gates, gates of hell is unquestionably the best song. That was one that I was like I liked it, but I wasn't like I wasn't crazy about it until I uh I me and me and other frequent guests, JC Shakota, <laughs> bandmate, the first time we we both went went to our first Flaming Lips concert <laughs> at in Madison, Wisconsin, in a baseball guys. park, and so they uh, and halfway I through can picture there, picture it perfectly. This is right by my house. <laughs> <laughs> and so they fuck it. So like we're there, and uh, like I just kind of like a he, way. Thanks, you threw me off my my groove, my embryonic groove. <laughs> I threw off your groove. Embryonic no, groove. No, so uh, like I like yeah, it's kind of there's kind of a lot of stuff going on that summer when he saw them, and halfway through the set, like he starts giving the speech that's like, oh yeah, like I'm really feeling what's going on with that before leading to ego tripping, and like it utterly destroyed me live. I was like, oh, like this is like. Like this, like it was just like speaking to like every fiber of my being when doing that one. It was just like, oh yeah, this is like kind of like a huge centerpiece of this whole album. Mm-hmm. I I mean I feel like that's the centerpiece of their career. Like it really just it's, it's kind of like pitched at the midway point almost. Yeah. yeah they, it, it absolutely it's it's the best size of that atmospheric thing that they're always driving for and just solid songwriting melodic writing from Wayne. And also like in the morning of magicians, that opening line That bass line. That bass line. I mean that those two songs, they're right next to each other at the middle of this album. Those they're both in like my top ten favorites. I think like it's also that opening line I think is one of the most iconic of their entire career. With like Ben that has as many great lyrics, just like I in terms of like what I've seen of fan made art of just, like, the one lyric I feel like most people use is, like, in the morning I'd awake and I couldn't remember, like, what is love and hate. Yeah. yeah it's just, like, yeah, like, people, that's, like, kind of, for me, like, when I think of the album, like, when you say Yoshimi Battles, that's probably, like, the first line I think right. of immediately before and, thinking yeah. of the rest. And that's, like, my only weak spot on the album is really, it's summertime. It's a fine oh, song. Weird. It's good. Yeah. I really love that one. Mine, for me, is Are You a Hypnotist? I, I understand. I, kind of that say, one. I understand. I'm kind of in that same thing. I, for me, like the, the for what makes that album, summertime for me is kind of what completes it at the end, just before the big just before. Do you end. realize? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it kind of it brings it ties together some of the looser ends. Like you know how you say that the first half doesn't re- is kind of abandoned there. Yeah. For some reason, it's summertime for me. Kind of lightly. Like uh, calls back some of the other stuff in a way that like the Yoshimi battle stuff mm-hmm. to make it kind of round out before do you yeah. realize? But then honestly, and I know Terrence not as big a fan of uh, all we have is now, but kind of this this weirdly like sad like emotional thing because like again they have a story there, and even though the story's kind of abandoned, you still have this kind of like closing moment of the fact that it's basically you know there, I've seen the future, there is no future, all we have is now. It's kind of this bleak emotional song there, and it kind of gets you feeling. Down, but then you have that fucking instrumental at the end, the poaching Pavolius moans by balloon, and it's just this glorious uplift. It's just this yeah. wonderful ending note to send yeah. you out, to jettison you out into space with. And it's just like, ah! And it gets me. It gets me every time. Guys, 
number one, number two, Yoshimi, soft bulletin. I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, it's one of the things, like, for me, and I think we, we, we kind of talk about, and let's be honest here. These are two emotional albums. I think it's fair to say people generally have emotional connections to them, especially if you're a listener listening to this for the first time. You're like, where should I start? These two albums. doesn't matter which order. These two fucking albums is a great place to start. Yeah. yeah. Let's be real. You can go in any direction afterwards, and there's a lot of directions, but this is, like, they're the iconic ones for a reason. And if these are weirding you out, go with three and four. <laughs> I think I think if 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 you're if you're like uh, me me and Evan where maybe if like you're initially like this is like a lot to take in just right. go with it War with the Mystics or Clouds Taste and, you'll get a yeah. you'll get a splash you'll, you'll still have a splay. great time <laughs> my my that was, and we think we can all go around my vote is Soft Bulletin number two Yoshimi number one that's me John I I would have to do. Soft Bolden number one, Yoshimi number two. Okay. But again... No, no, no. no. I think that's great. I think that's great. So now I think you know what that means. It comes down to Taryn motherfucking O'Reilly. And listen, we're debating number one and number two out of 14 fucking albums here. So I think there's winners either way, ultimately. But that being said, we are the Chartographers. We have definitive rankings. So I'm going to go with the Soft Bulletin at at number... Two. <gasps> and Yoshimi battles the pink robots at number one. Now, what is the reason behind your logic? Because Yoshimi battles the pink robots has ego tripping in the, the morning of the magicians straight into ego tripping at the gates of hell, which are just two be- the best songs they've ever written. And I think that there's other things on there that like push this album up far enough that it just it's. It has that emotional center more than soft bulletin. I totally so dis- disagree about the emotional center part. No, I, what, just think, y- yeah. I just think that one... Look, here's the thing with Yoshimi. It's it's a pretty soft album. It's not necessarily in terms of energy. The It doesn't have the biggest it's range. It's not a party album. It's, uh, yeah. uh, sometimes it can be a chill thing. I think largely once you get in that second half, it's like kind of like if you're... It, sure, like it may seem like cool to throw on for like the summer day, and then you're kind of... I don't think it's as has that universality but for me I feel the same way about you do except for race for the prize and disintegrate where it's like I think the emotional heft and the highs of soft Bolton where it's just are just completely incomparable and just so trick constantly like transcendental that would yeah I feel like it's it's hard I still don't I'm still not a hundred percent with yeah. this decision honestly and it's just hard because I feel like the soft bulletin is kind of like their thriller where it's like, it's where all of their like huge giant, giant songs, people that it was their like, but whereas th- like Yoshimi is their bad where it's like, uh, these are where their best songs are. Uh, if, if, if you follow that philosophy about Michael Jackson, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, we, I don't, I don't know, think that's as universal. John Hart's favorite album by Michael Jackson is Invincible. <laughs> we know this. It's a fact. It's the only one worth listening to. What's your favorite honest. song off of history? I've been meaning to ask you. Uh, so I listen. I, I only listen to Escape. <laughs> Uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm changing my mind. What? Last what? minute fake out? Did he just convince you? Was no. it the thriller Guys. argument? <laughs> Guys. <laughs> was it? Be honest with us. Was it? Oh, wait. Are you changing back now? Are you going back to Yoshimi number one? Wait, what's going on? Taron O'Reilly, he's conflicted. A man torn between two And words. I will say, at one point, I did... In my midnight. Life, midnight. You guys won. In my life, Yoshimi has been my number one. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I've been there. I think it's just in terms of like what I come back to. Dude, when I need it. When the soft <laughs> The soft really Bolton's a good friend. Yeah. Don't we do want it to be stressful? I know. It's not actually it's just, well, mu- it's, not- it's just music. This is all arbitrary. It could change tomorrow. Best album, Oxymelody, done. Figured it out. Solid. Let's talk about the weaknesses of both then, even though there's not that or, many. I know. I- I feel like it's. I feel like the, the ultimate decisions are going to come down on a dime because I think John Harvey and I are pretty well locked in at this point. This is so great. Taryn, walk us through your thought process. Yeah, I just Soft Bulletin just has like more great songs on it. See, that's the thing is I feel like Yoshimi is my favorite, but Soft Bulletin is better. Like Yoshimi has skippable things. Like I don't really need to even listen to just like you said, like the kind of the first half, like. Fight test is fine. One more robot is like okay. Yoshimi battles the pink robots. Part one is like 
had to grow on and me here's because the that's kind of overplayed. And like, here's the deal. My, the reason why I kind of, where I, the only reason why I put this too is that there's three songs in there that like are still okay, but I'm like, I think just the weaker songs on Yoshimi are a bit more noticeable. Like, Yoshimi Battles Part 2. Fun. Don't get me wrong. I like it in the sequence. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the most impressive thing they've ever done. And same thing um, with Are You a Hypnotist. Well, we're gonna hear all of those when they do the Yoshimi musical eventually. I, yeah. All right. All right. We're going with John Harvey's ring. Oh wow. <laughs> You see, you sound uh, so surprised by uh, the fact you've been arguing with him for like five <laughs> solid minutes. The test begins now. So guys, listen for the part two of our podcast. Soft Bolton raised for the prize. Let's not forget. Number five was Embryonic. Number four was At War with the Mystics. Number three was Cloud States Metallic. Number two was Yoshimi Metal's The Pink Robots. And maybe surprise, last minute change out. Number one. Two blobs fucking. I'm kidding. No, it was <laughs> the Soft Bulletin. But guys, as you know... Oh, we have a lot more to talk about. So, guess what? I mean, I want you to go ahead and please uh, listen to the uh, Happy Remaining So It's going to be fun and exciting. Listen to part one if you haven't done If you only listen to part two, fuck you. But at the same time, <laughs> I will say thank you so much for listening. Uh, I don't say fuck you. Yeah. I, that makes more sense to than only listening to part one, which is what some people have done, apparently. Apparently. So, I don't know why. They, part they, two they, is always where it's at. If you, you're not part two you're missing out. Yeah, you hear from John Harvey. Part two it up, bitch. Uh, I don't know why. I'm swearing so much. It's it's all the alcohol. But hey, listen, guys, John Harvey. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> did, you was, did you fill out my line for me? Yeah. I did, I, we've all been drinking me? a lot. Yeah. I, I don't. Okay, I appreciate. I think it shows. You know, you know, you know what, John yeah, Harvey. You know what, John Harvey? I'm, I'm You're mostly welcome. we're mostly coherent. Yeah, exactly. But we're gonna get a lot less coherent in the half hour mini sode. Uh, guys, do us a favor. Leave us your list on uh, the Facebook because I assure you, I have a feeling it's gonna be different than what we ranked, and unless God of course bless it's perfectly you've exactly. To this point. <laughs> and also, we're gonna edit that a lot. It's fine. Uh, but then also, uh, yeah, rank us on the iTunes, find us on the stage, do all the things. In the meantime, uh, keep on listening. Cause you know, Catch you in the next one. Have a good one. Goodbye. Bye.